welcome to Glitching the Code. Hi guys and welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com and you'll be listening to to this even on iTunes and Spotify as a podcast and catching up with the audio versions on um, YouTube if we're still on there and the bit shoot. So guys thank you for joining us um, and thank you for all the people that subscribed. I'm here with a new guest today, Michael Feely. Michael Feely is, and I've just pressed the wrong button there you are there you are so he's an author researcher and revealer of hidden and esoteric knowledge now me and michael did a um a bit of filming recently for the walk which is a new series with gareth Hike um for iconic.com which is out this saturday and michael's interview really fascinated me and i've only been editing it the last few days to get ready for the series and michael's interpretation and the way of looking at some of this esoteric knowledge is, is completely new to the way I've looked into the past. So the likes of David Icke, Zachary Sitchin and um, lots of other guys like Jordan Maxwell. Uh, Michael's take on these things is, is completely different and actually it's very, very intriguing to me and, and the way he puts it together numerically. So guys, this is going to be an incredibly uh, incredible interview. I'm really pleased, Michael, to have you on the show. So Michael, can you just tell me tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you kind of started this, this journey um, a few years back? Yep, certainly. Uh, initially, I was a police officer in London and Birmingham, and that was for 17 years. But certainly to, towards the last 12, 13 months of my career, uh, I became very, very disillusioned with what I was seeing. I became very, very disillusioned with the things that I was being sort of ordered to do. Uh, and I was actually refusing to do many of the things because they were, one, immoral, and two, they were illegal. So I refused to do, to do that. And they, really the hierarchy didn't really know what to do with me. You know, I was, I was the senior officer on, on, on that particular relief, on that particular shift. And I, I was particularly well thought of. I had accommodations for bravery and all kinds of, of different uh, awards uh, that were proudly pinned on the wall. But I began to become very disillusioned. As I say, I, I began to refuse and rebel against the system. And in 2009... There was a lot of strange things happening to me, and combined with the complete disillusionment, it really was making me a person that I that, that I wasn't. I was becoming angry. I was becoming aggressive. I was becoming extremely negative, just because of the things that I was seeing and, and the things that I was has been sort of asked to do. So, with all the strange things that were beginning to happen to me, and the disillusionment of a career that I never expected to leave, I basically walked out, and. It was stated to me at the time that this is the awakening that, that people are talking about, really, where where you have the establishment that were married to the establishment. I, I, I classed the police force as my first marriage. And I was actually married to that establishment, and, and it was complete shock when, when I left, even to myself. But surprisingly, as dedicated as I was, when I actually handed in my resignation, there was no emotion whatsoever. And I went for the interview with the, with the chief superintendent, and I think my final words were, you tell me what to do, but I decide whether or not I wish to do them. And nice to see you. Goodbye. And that was pretty much the end of, of, of a career that I'd expected to be there for 30 years. So I have a lot of background in, in investigation. I have background in gathering evidence. I have background in putting that evidence together and I have background in attending all, all kinds of courts throughout the land where I was considered an expert eyewitness in any court in the UK. So my writing style, my speaking style, my explanation style is really ingrained as per a court appearance. Where is that? just want to get straight to the point. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you smell? What was it like? All the rest is irrelevant. And that is really how how I came about to, to do this. Uh, certainly over the last 10 years, the, the research has is, is got deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, it started off, uh, I began to, to become inquisitive. I wanted to answer a lot of the, the paranormal things that were happening to me, and I wanted to seek answers for those. And probably about two or three years ago, it became very, very intense in relation to secret knowledge, into looking into, into the world as, as we've been taught, looking into... The, the ancient world, looking into religion, which has always been a fascination for me, even from the age of six, when I used to watch the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And it, it, it really was, you know, can these things happen? Is it possible? 
are these stories real? And, and, and these were the kind of adult questions that I was asking myself at the age of six and seven. So I've always had an inquisitive mind. I've always wanted to know. And I've gone sort of through a, a birth of being inquisitive, answering, trying to answer the things that have happened to me. And then I've now gone through answering the questions that many scholars the world over are trying to answer. Uh, the, the, current, the current state that I'm in is I'm now getting... Uh, quantum mechanical equations that are coming into my head which I'm writing down and I do believe it's a pattern and I do believe it's some kind of information that physics hasn't come across yet and I'm just obviously logging all of these different equations that I'm getting which is talking about angular velocity and, and all kinds of things and I do think it is a pattern that means something so we'll we'll see where that takes us but but my passion has always been the ancient world it's always been Egypt it's always been religions not from a want to be a religious person, just I just want to know why do people do the things that they do? Why are we still celebrating the same things to 2020 years later? And it's, it's always just, just, just that investigative, inquisitive mind. It's great whether you said that. Um, I've said the same sort of um, thing talking to people and they say you're a conspiracy theorist. And I said, well, and, and you've just said as a policeman, I said, well, aren't all investigative journalists or investigators, police officers? conspiracy theorists that they're theorizing about the conspiracy that's happened the crime that's happened and i don't see mm. conspiracy theory any other different than you're looking into the esoteric and a bit out there but it, the, the process as you just said is the same of putting things together connecting dots and having that mind to be able to see a bigger picture and you just said and that's perfect and i've said to people you conspiracy theory is no different from being an investigative um, officer, police officer. You are just looking at a global crime and piecing the bits together. But in your case, what I really loved about your work is yours looks at things from a, um, a metaphysical way and a, a metaphoric way even. So um, let's go into the main bulk of this because your take on things, different from someone like Zachary Sitchin, um, especially when it comes to the Bible, the Vatican, which I find fascinating, um, is that a lot of what we're hearing, these esoteric tales these stories are metaphorical and not only metaphorical symbolic and mathematical um in their in their nature and they're trying to tell us something about who we are where we come from and where we're going and why we're here can you talk to us about your kind of understanding of that and why that kind of started yep so i, I found that the original bible is actually the geezer plateau and we see the likes of Noah's Ark, which is the Great Pyramid. We see lots and lots of correlation between the Egyptian theology, which was stolen by the Hebrews and the Kabbalah, which then became Christianity. So what, when, when I've looked at all the civilizations of the world, and that can be the Mesopotamians, the Sumerians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Mayans, all of these different uh, civilizations around the world, I, I originally looked at them as a, an individual entity. But what I soon found is that regardless of what part of the world I looked and researched, I was finding the same mathematical numbers, the same phrases, the same meanings, the same theme. Uh, all of these things were being repeated, repeated, repeated. So from that, it was quite clear that every one of these civilizations were actually talking about the same thing, albeit they may have attached a different god name or a different prophet name or a different name to what was actually going on. Now, when you look into the deep sort of mystery schools and the, and the deep esoteric halls of, of, of knowledge, you will see that they believe that knowledge is really there to be earned. It is not just a right for anyone. And they believe themselves to be the true holders of this knowledge. And... What happened was that they, they took all of this sacred knowledge and they used it for themselves. And in order to hide this, in order, and, and in many cases, in order to protect the secrets because they believe they would have been misused, they enshrouded them in stories, in metaphors, in parables. And, and when, you, when you look at biblical scriptures and, and, and the likes of Christ, he's been quoted as saying, you know, uh, to, to you the truth is given, but to them it's given in parables or worse to that effect. Well, a parable is, is a hidden story of a spiritual meaning. So people are concentrating on the story, but they are missing the spiritual meaning. And what, what they are all telling us is the sanctity of self and how if you actually read these scriptures with a, with a high-frequency vision, then you see a completely different message 
to what they, they teach at Sunday service. And when you look at what Christ really is, well, again, you just need to look at the Giza Plateau, which tells you the date of the birth of Christ, which is September the 11th, 9-11, which is also famous for another event. And these events are chosen for the, for the power of the numbers for, for their for their dates. So I've, I've seen everywhere I've gone, religions, uh, ancient world, I've always found the same story, the same metaphors, the same meaning. The meaning really is human potential and how we are really God's personified and we don't need to worship icons we don't need to go to church to find a route back to our origin what the church the vatican and all these these things have done they've created an artificial canopy between people and the creator when you look at how the universe is created the only conclusion you can really come to if you really have an open mind and, and sensible mind is that it's an intelligent design. Now, everything in the universe, no matter how small, no matter how large, has a mathematical sequence. When you look at quantum physics and you look at one simpler formula, which is square root negative one, square root negative one is an imaginary number. And yet, in physics, they use it to complement and connect other quantum mechanical mathematics. Now, with an imaginary number, a machine cannot see an imaginary number. It can only be seen inside the head. Now, when you actually look at what the Bible's telling you and what you look at what the Giza Plateau is telling you, Genesis, when you look at its origin, means in the head. And at that point, if you can just see this board, I'll just go for it for the people that can't actually read what it says. But in one verse of the Bible which is Genesis 1.1, it tells you so much information. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The most important part of that for this section is the word in. The word in, in Geometria, is number 51, 51 of a value. Genesis means better sheet in the mind. So in the beginning, in the mind when we look at the great pyramid you will see that the side the arc the the uh, side the slope of the pyramid is 51.51 so we have 51 in 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 the mind so we have the great pyramid which i believe was built by the the universal creator and we have the great pyramid which represents the mind and the head so Giza is the real Bible. Now, the interesting thing is mathematicians and scholars throughout the age and throughout the history of human beings have not been able to square the circle. The Great Pyramid tells you how to square the circle. So man can't do it, but the mathematical creator can. Now, when we look at how the pyramid is, is, is built, all of, all of this word, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, in what's called decimal parity, it equals 308. Now, if you round up the 5151 to 52, and we take 360, which is uh, the circle, which is pi, and we take away 52, it equals 308. So we have a mathematical connection between the pyramid and, in the beginning, God created the heaven. Now, when we look at the likes of pi, the likes of the circle, the, the value of Christ, Jesus Christ, in Hebrew and Greek is 2368 divided by 754. That gives you 3.14, which is pi. So the name of Jesus Christ in Hebrew and Greek, if you add up their geometry value, it equals pi. So we have a circle. When we look at the circle, it comes from sirs, which gives us the word church. So when the Bible tells you that the body of Christ is the church, it is telling you the body is the circle. When we look at two circles together, we get the Vesica Pisces, which is Mary Magdalene. That is the Holy Grail. That is the matrix. We all come into this world through the matrix. Now, Egypt was not called Egypt to the Egyptians. It was called Mizur, which basically means matrix, hymen, womb. So hymen gives us the word him in church. So we have all of these connections. When you get two circles together, it equals 320. 360 plus 360 is 720. 
720 in Hebrew, one of the most ancient languages, is Arod, which means the Son of God. We have all of these. The the Giza Plateau tells you the, the, the birth date of Christ. Now, when I said that the, the Great Pyramid represents the head, is another diagram. And what I've done is I've done a map overlay of the human head over the Great Pyramid. What it shows you is that they have marked the exact locations of the endocrine system of consciousness. So in the beginning, in the head, the Great Pyramid. So we have a connection to the Bible, to ancient Egypt. We have all of these different mathematical things. What I'm showing you now are the two hands, which is the hand of God, which means the man of intellect. Now, when you get the hand, we can separate them into 14. So we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 plus 14 is 28. 28 gives us the geometric value of Holy Bible. It also gives us the Demetria of the word completion. So in other words, the man of intellect is completion. Now we pray with our hands, we talk with our hands. It is the hand of God, it is the man of intellect. Everything I have found comes from Egypt, as in a Bible. Now when you look at the horizon and the Bible tells you that the Virgin came clothed in the sun, that is the 11th of September when Virgo rises and you have the sun in Virgo, which illuminates Virgo. This is the 11th of September. Now, the reason we have the 25th of December, it is astronomy as well. But it is because the, the, the Roman Church wanted to amalgamate Christ with Sol Invictus. They, they wanted Christians to believe that they were worshipping Jesus but they were actually worshipping the, the, the Roman cult of Sol Invictus, who was born on the 25th of December. So the actual birth date of Christ, which is the solar sun, the great seed, is the 11th of September, and the, the, the Giza Plateau tells you this. Now, when you're looking at the incarnate Messiah, it is the Sphinx of Egypt, because that is Shepeshank, which means the living image. It is the Christ, it is the Giza Plateau that is telling us about the arrival of the Messiah, which is all to do with the sun, sun worship and the enlightenment of the great seed, which is the sun. And that is why we have a lot of references to bread, because the Egyptian hieroglyph for bread is the rising sun. So we have all of this, regardless of what culture you go to, you can go to Quetzalcoatl, you can go to Mesopotamia, you can go everywhere you wish, and they're all telling you the same thing. So the Giza Plateau is the original Christian Bible. Blimey. So, with that in mind, if you can bring that in mind, and guys, I will put that image over the top so you'll be able to see that image. Michael's going to be kind enough to send me the image on and so I can put it over the top because you can see that image close up and and look back on it as well. And also the image of the, um, of the head of the head and the Giza Plateau in it. And seeing where the chambers line up as well, which is fascinating, which I want to come back to as well, because to go back more in depth in how that, that, that lines up to the glands. Um, so what they've done is they've hid all this knowledge within other things, they've layered it on top within within different sort of cultures, within different sort of esoteric teachings, two or three different levels down. Um, who are the people? Who are these people? Who are these bloodlines? Who are these group whoever you want to call them, whatever name you want to call them, that hiding this knowledge. And what gives? What do they believe gives them the right to hide this knowledge from us, the everyday man or woman? Because they, they certainly when you go back to Egypt, they believe that they were, they were the walking sun gods. And, you know, when you look again, look at uh, Samaria, and then they tell you that one of the incarnations of Enki is, is Jesus. So again, we have all of this different correlation. Now, when you look at Christianity, you start looking at the Levites. Now, Levite, Leviathan, means serpent. So we have the whole, again, the, a lot of the ancient world, a lot of religious teachings is the worship of the serpent, which represented not only wisdom, but also the phallic, the phallic symbol, which again brings you into sexual alchemy and the union of opposites. So you have the, the heavenly seed, the heavenly Christ, which is the sun, the, the, the giver of life, the light of the world, but you have the earthly Christ, which is sperm, 
the seed and sperm main seed. Now, when you go to the likes of Holy Communion, the origin of Holy Communion was the drinking of semen, semen and menstrual blood, which is the, the fluids of life. And when you look at the so the Levites, uh, the serpent, when when you look at the origin of, of the word Jehovah and Yahweh, which is just the Latin and the Hebrew equivalent of the same thing, it comes from serpent. So there's a lot of serpent mention everywhere, even Eve, Eve in the Garden of Eden, uh, Eve is also Chiva. Chiva means serpent. So when Eve blames the serpent, Adam blames Eve and Eve blames the serpent, what is that telling you? Because it, it's, it's talking about self-accusation. Now, when you accuse yourself, you then start to become the devil. Because the devil, the origin of the word devil is diablos, which means to throw across slander. So we're now starting to become the devil we are starting to become the accusers we are starting to slander with our mouth now when we speak and when we speak with an ill tongue and we hurt people with our, our our words what is inside the chakra that gives you speech it is adam's apple it then goes back to the garden of eden eden really means a state of static mind so in other words, you need to focus, you need to concentrate, and it's one-pointedness. Because what you don't want is doubting Thomas. Thomas comes from Didymus, which means twin. So in other words, a twin dualistic mind. You need a one-mind focus, and that is Eden. So anybody that lives in Eden lives in a focused static state of mind, which is what you need. They decided that we are not worthy for this knowledge, that we would get a version and only the people who were worthy to understand would sift through the story and this version and there's so many different examples of uh, uh, metaphors and parables and you know the, the, the mainstream telling you one thing that the, the pyramids were built by hebrew slaves that jesus walked nazareth nazareth comes from zara which means seed we have again a reference to seed so it's talking about the great seed the sun and it's talking about the uh, human seed the earthly christ which is male sperm they decided certainly the, the council of, of, of nicaea decided that they had a problem the problem that they had to solve was in in a monotheistic cult of one god how can jesus be god without being god that that gave them a problem so what they decided upon was that jesus would then have to be the son of god now when you look at the word son s-o-n and you look at the word s-u-n son it is the same thing it is the same word it comes from germanic sonne s-o-n-e so when we're talking about the son of god we're talking about the solar sun which the 12 disciples are the 12 signs of the zodiac so we are getting into real sort of deep esoteric astrology now that the, the the prophets of the bible were astrologers and when you look at the likes of the sphinx and you have all of the of the rungs and, and the indentations on the sphinx it's really a solar measuring device and it represents the coming messiah we were we were decided that we were not worthy of this great knowledge so they hid it from us and they've been teaching us stories that take us away from ourselves. For for the people that understand the true meanings of, of these monuments, for those who understand the true meanings of the Bible and other religious books, you realize that it's really talking about you. And it's talking about your potential. And it's talking about how you can rise yourself and become a second born, a reborn, the second coming of your own Christ which is your, your holy fire within. And they wanted to keep that away from anyone who was not deemed as an initiate, who was sort of deemed as, as someone who was, who was completely dense, really. And, 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 and the public are told a story to keep them away from themselves. When you're talking about that, becoming the second coming of yourself, that just brings to mind straight away a synthetic version of what they're trying to do now is transhumanism it seems like they're trying to usurp or usurp that process of you 
almost like they can see people waking up quite quickly and they're trying to get in there and pull you in a different direction through technology. What would your thoughts be on that? They, they understand human psychology. They understand uh, human electromagnetism. They understand how that connects to the resonance uh, frequency. They understand that the torus is really the apple of Eden because it's the it's electromagnetic circle that resembles an apple. They understand DNA. They understand that humans don't actually ever see the outside world. Humans only ever see the data of the five senses that is that is given to them, and the brain interprets that into a familiar world. And they understand also that if they control the waves, they control the reality that we see. What they, what we have, unfortunately, on this planet at the moment are complete control freaks who are in charge. And they wish to control every single aspect of your life from your DNA, your genetic code, your mind, your life, your reality. And it is much easier to control robots and AI people than it is to, to control people who are beginning to see what is going on. They, when you can, When you can read the celestial narrative which is the movement of the stars, you can predict the future. You can also predict the future by equations, by Schrödinger's equation. I can put my finger there, and through Schrödinger's equation in quantum physics, I can predict where my finger will end. I can predict its transit. I can predict its future by equations, because these equations are held within brackets, which means they are restrained and will only act within that new medical code so you can actually predict the future by mathematics you can predict the future because there are at any one given time there are multiple possibilities now waves and particles are states that are superposition so when you see a particle it's chosen to be seen by you now when you don't observe it it goes back into the wave and you can't see it so the universe is observer dependent so they they understand everything about humanity they've been doing this for thousands of years and they understand everything about us their their intention is to completely control every aspect of every living human being on this planet so is that and i had this conversation with a guy called isaac <coughs> isaac weishaupt but he's not his real name by the way um, a few days ago and i said are we the watchers then are we what's called the watchers we're the watchers watching our own creation like we if we have to see things for them to exist and come forth are we what's termed as the watchers? Well, watcher, again, uh, comes from the same root of words as a bishop. Now, when you look in, into to watcher, what, what does it mean? It means he who is awake. So the watchers are they who are awake. So, again, when, when, when we went to Coventry, we talked about the cathedral. Cathedral means seat, which is the seat of consciousness. And he who is awake, the watcher, the bishop, sits on the seat of consciousness so when you start looking at the watchers you start looking at uh, the nephilim nephilim comes from the word nephal which means to fall short in other words to sin so what does sin mean well sin means to miss the mark it's an old archery term when they was aiming for the bullseye and they missed the bullseye the bullseye in esoteric circles is your third eye your pineal gland which is vatican vatica the third eye and when you do not reach a seat of enlightenment you have missed the mark you are sinners so therefore gnostics and the people who understand this sacred knowledge can never be sinners because they have not missed the mark they are they are the wise they have hit they have hit the mark they have reached the, the philosopher's stone the foundation stone so going back to the bible and it's the cornerstone that the builders rejected well the cornerstone is the pyramid knowledge and the builders Builder basically means flesh and blood. So it is you, the, the humanity that has decided and forsaken the sacred knowledge. It has left it behind. It has abandoned the sacred knowledge. And humanity needs to get back to its correct timeline, to its correct information and, and wisdom that's been kept from us for so long. So everything, again, watchers, Nephilim, all of these things relate to he who is conscious. Now, for me, consciousness is the fifth universal force. All of this happened as a result of an intelligent thought 
that was then manifest into a set arithmetic pattern, a repeating, almost like a, a, a universal neurosis, where everything follows a set pattern. Now, that also led me to believe that if everything follows a set pattern and nothing deviates from that pattern, then it brings into question free will. Do we really have free will if everything is a set pattern in a cycle that will always happen? Then when you start looking at the likes of the Libet experiment that tells you that there is a 200 millisecond gap between thinking about something and actually doing something, what is actually controlling that, that brief space of time between those two poles? Because that, for me, is is something else is steering you. Now, when I, there's many sort of personal examples in my life where there's been big, big decisions that I felt that I weren't a part of. And I felt that it just happened based on something else's decision. So that, to me, brings into question the whole meaning of free will. Is it determinism or is it free will? And I would go with determinism because everything must adhere to a set pattern. So what you were saying, there's something just popped into my mind. Mind when you were saying there's a little gap there, milliseconds gap. To me, straight popped in my mind is when you have a car crash and you're in the moment, and that tiny little second takes an eternity, and you're there for an eternity. That gap, or the matrix when he's dodging the bullets, everything slows down. It almost feels like he's in that millisecond gap, but he's aware of it. Does that make sense? Is that to me? It it does. Now, how, how the the iron brow, the, the the eyes look but the brain sees now when you look into the science of, of the communication between the two the eyes look in freeze frames in like when you look at a, a movie slide and you see each of them are, are frames within perimeters that is how the eye and the brain work in seeing things now when you go to an accident and someone pulls out of a junction and they said sorry i, I didn't even see the car well that is correct because that car was wedged in between the two frames mm -hmm. so for that time they couldn't see it they physically could not see that car, and that's why they pulled out. So there's a lot of manipulation that can be done in between those things. Now, when you look at how time is really atomic, so if you go to a place where there's no atoms, which is no time, then time is irrelevant anyway. So when the undivided mind created everything that we see, now bear in mind that we were once part of that undivided mind. So everything you see, touch and see in the universe, you created as well. Mm -hmm. But then we, we separated into this from the undivided and became divided. So we created everything, but we created it from the place of no time. So when someone says that I'm 70 and you're 40, so I came to Earth first. No, you didn't. You separated at the same time from a place of no time. And time really to you is, is a physical thing because you are you are atomic. And time is atomic. It's a cesium atom, which gives us the, the, the 60. It gives us the basis of the, uh, of the second, which then gives us the formula of time. So we are really, we are the creators of this universe. And we are now experiencing what we have created. So you showed me a picture. That reminds me of a picture. I'm trying to get it here. It's... Um... You showed me a picture, and I, I don't know what the name of the picture is, but it's obviously an Egyptian hieroglyph's um, not the right word, but I don't know the term of it. And it had what people seem to think is the um, the, the solar system in it. But you're saying that it's actually something to do with our DNA and genetics. Um, and I had kind of the same feeling as well, that that wasn't what people are saying. Is Can you explain it? And I'll put the picture above this so you can see it. But it seems to have something to do with, uh, with atoms and DNA. It is when, when again, that's that's a, an Anunnaki tablet. Now, when when you look at the the human DNA was created elsewhere, not Earth. When you look at the the human physical body that was created because of exploding stars in the Orion Nebula, uh, creating oxygen and carbon, which is called the triple alpha effect. We are not from Earth. We just ended up here. Now, the old Anunnaki story for me is one of genetics and telling us of genetics now when you actually analyze the the main components of, of, of the story and you look at the likes of anu anu was a sky god now anunnaki is really the atoms or life from the from the sky it is really the the divine personification of the sky so that's what it, anu is so that is ourself now we come from the sky which is the heavens the sky and we come on into this planetary system now when you start looking at 
the likes of Enki and Enlil. They are the Shetty, the Snake Brothers. And one was negative, one was positive. One Enki wanted humanity to have knowledge. Enki, sorry, Enlil didn't. So they had this battle of, of good and evil, really. Now, when you look at the double helix of DNA, it has a positive and a negative twist. They are the Snake Brothers. So we're talking about the double helix, which is the Enki and Enlil. Now, you've also got, you know, like the Lord of the Wind, and you have the Lord uh, House of Water, which is Enki and Enlil, which again is talking about a consciousness thing. But then you start looking at the likes of Sumer. Well, there's different translations for what Sumer means. But again, in Hebrew, it, it basically means the land of the lands of the Lords of Brightness. Now, Lord means giver of bread. So again, we're looking at the sun. We're looking at the, the Lords of Brightness is the sun, the solar sun. So when you when you look at Sumer, when you look at Enkin Endel, which is DNA and consciousness, and how how the sun, the the, the, the photons of the sun, speak to human DNA. It is an informational messenger. It is the uh, arc angle of light. It it talks to us uh, to to our DNA, and you see that on many Egyptian depictions. When you look at the likes of Alalu, who is meant to be the supervisor of the, the mining expedition for gold. Alalu means wave genetics, which is really how resonant waves affect genetics, which then takes you into the elongated schools of Egypt about sound, gestational sound techniques. When you start looking at like Anu, Anunnaki, Anubis, they all contain the word Anu. So you go from Egypt to Samaria, they're talking about the same thing. Now, when you look at Anubis, you're looking at a horizontal circle. And that horizontal circle obviously goes from the ground and it separates Sirius A and Sirius B, which is Isis and Nepsis. Now, Sirius A you can see, Sirius B you cannot. So it's really the, the separation between the seen and the unseen, dark and light. Now, when you go to Samaria, the Sumerians write 3,600 which is the alleged orbit of Nibiru. 3,600 in Sumerian is drawn and written as a large circle. They're talking about the same ecliptical event. Now, when you see some of the, and again, I'll send you the picture, but when you look at the, the Anunnaki tablet of what looks to be like a spinning wheel with eight different sections, that spinning wheel is really the circuit of the dragon, which is an, an ecliptical astronomical event when we go back to the the picture that you spoke about it is the hexagram 11 now people say that it's the sol the, the early depiction of the solar system with the sun in the middle it's talking about nuclear explosion it's talking about the hexagram 11 now when you look at the chinese i ching which is the uh, chinese divinity book it came round about the same sort of time same sort of era as the sumerians now the hexagram 11 in the, the Chinese I Ching is Quin Kun, which means heaven and earth. Those who from heaven to earth came. It is all talking about people from the sky incarnating here. We are the Anunnaki. Now, there's many different other pieces of the story, such as, you know, the Anunnaki bought the moon here for 450,000 years ago. They couldn't have done because of tidal rhythmites prove that the moon was there 2.2 billion years ago. So there's lots of parts of the, the, the Anunnaki story that can be ruled out by science. But in essence, it is talking about life from the heavens, which is us. And when you look at the likes of the work of some uh, Eastern Bloc scientists, they are now saying that DNA was programmed elsewhere. It is programmed with the same arithmetic as language. So the languages that we speak are a genetic expression. We we are we are the ones we are the Anunnaki, we are the watchers. And that's that's kind of remnant in all of these things, isn't it? Look within. Yes. You look what you're looking for out there is always within, and it, it's always been told to you, isn't it? And I think you innately know that everything we're looking for we find inside. Michael Jackson's "Man in the Mirror" was a song that I remember as a kid as. Uh, it was always if you want to make a change look at yourself it was always there written i think he knew mm. quite a bit actually i think that guy was very very well into the esoteric and understood quite a lot um 
But bear in mind, but I want to get on to DNA in a second. This is fascinating for me. So was, if we can go for a little bit longer, it would be absolutely great. Um, what I wanted to just pick up on then is the you said, and it cleared up something for me that I've had in my mind for ages. You had Inlil and Enki. One of them was trying to help humanity. One of them was trying not to. And obviously, I understand that's a metaphor. But do you think right now we have these two opposed forces still trying to pull humanity in one way or another, even if it's a cult that understands this information and is doing that? Because we seem to have a clash of the titans, for better of a word. There's some pull here, like two angry parents arguing over the kids that don't know where how special they really are. Do you think there's still this opposing force, or is it something that's within us trying to keep down the, the levels, you know, the, the parts of us that are a bit more reptilian, the parts of us that are a little bit more awake and nicer. And obviously the black and white squares, the Freemasonry, there is this battle. Do you, what do you sort of, is this still going on here? Is it a physical thing? Is there an actual race here that's actually doing this to us? Or is there cults that believe in e- either race and they are clashing? The battle has always gone on. Now again, when again, I'll just come back to the, the the universal creation because everything else is a mirror of that creation. It's just a smaller version of it. Now, what we deem as positive and negative, under what is called the charge parity, it was created in equal measures. So, good and bad, positive, negative, black, white is fifty fifty. So, the, there's a, when when you start looking at the collisions of atoms, the collisions of particles, when you start looking at how these collisions create light, when you look at how these the, these collisions create branches, these branches are basically slightly different versions of each other. So, when you start looking at parallel universe and, and many worlds, it is really atomic collisions that are creating these parallels. So, the, there has always been opposing forces universal forces that are colliding and creating other things now it is quite clear that there are the the manipulators and the control freaks that are trying to create a negative vibrational reality for the existence of people because they understand that we are vibrational beings the universe is a vibrational place and when people are at a very very low vibration they are controllable because they're miserable, they're depressed, they're suicidal, they are docile. They're, they're all of these these conditions that they want to create in order to control people. But there has always been the battle between what you would deem as, as, as dark and light, because dark and light, one is seen, one is unseen. But the, the, bits, the, 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 the bits of the universe that we can see and the bits that we cannot see are slightly different copies of each other. Now, again, when, when you start looking at... If if the rest of the universe is the same as the, the bits of the universe that we can see, then there are many different versions of you and I and everybody else who's watching scattered all around the universe. So we are not – there's only one you, but there are several versions of you separated everywhere. And we have a, we, we, we've always had this battle of dark and light. We've always had the twin flame, which are the two aspects of self. You know, the, the, there's that – there was that American Indian saying, you know, there's inside you, there's, there's two wolves. Which one is the strongest? Whichever one you feed. Now, for, for me, it is all about neutrality, the neutral, which is non-duality. If you can remain in a place of neutrality, so you're not sort of sucked into the light or into the negativity of the dark, one is wisdom, one is the adversary, the opposer. One is Christ, one is the devil, one is enlightenment, one is ignorance. If you can stay in the middle, then you are in a position of non-duality, which is a high level of consciousness. That is where you need to be, in, in, in the neutral position. But you can go into either one of those different courts as long as you come back to the place of neutrality. If you can stay in neutrality, then this battle of light and dark does not affect you. Which comes into meditation, doesn't it? They... um. They seem to be with this Pfizer um, vaccine that's just come out, and by the way, Pfizer have been—they've <laughs> been known to have had to pay out fifty million to uh, children in West Africa for their deaths in nineteen ninety-six. Two thousand nine, they paid out, so it was a long time for it to come out. And this is just one Pfizer. This is an RNA DNA vaccine. What is going on, and why are they so keen to get at our DNA? That all that is—it reeks of forthright Nazism to me. Um, what is going on there and why are they so keen to get our DNA right now? 
your your DNA is a a universal code. Every every strand of your DNA that this this probably about 30 trillion cells in your body at the moment each one of those cells each follows a universal law your dna carries a code your dna carries your knowledge which will then be taken onto your children and to their children and to their children that is why you have royal family going back to ancient egypt intermarrying because through haplogroup dna they know that their wisdom gets transferred through genetics and through blood to their next generation. And they wish to keep that knowledge to themselves, to their kinship. Your DNA really is your your makeup. When when you are conceived, and at, at, certainly at the point that the album is, uh, when, when you conceive a child, the album lights up like a solar sun. Now, at that point that one sperm, that one seed, that one saviour, Christ, the child grows in mathematical formula up until the 64 tetrahedron grid, which are the 64 squares of the chessboard. Now, how does that now to be a little finger, that now to be a thumb, that now to be an arm, that now to be a head, because it's genetically programmed, that program has come from the creative force. That program has come from a place not here, a lot of our particles have come from other galaxies and they've come here by solar winds and different things to make this. So we are universal in creation. We are universal in design. We are universal fabric. Your DNA is your code. If they can manipulate your code, they can change you. They can give you GMO food, which genetically modifies your DNA. They understand it's a three billion letter language and it is your blueprint. And if they can change your blueprint, they can change you. And that, that is why they are so interested in the manipulation of your blueprint. That's terrifying <clears throat> to know that generations to come, we're going to see something very, very unhuman. That to me, obviously, is transhumanism. Um, human plus they call it here. I would say it's subhuman mm. it's it's not human anymore um, if there's a creation behind it they're obviously trying to play they're playing God they're trying to usurp God they're the Tower of Babylon they're trying to reach and become an above God these people are playing God who are these people <clears throat> who are these people I mean I don't need to individually but where, what, how are this group of people have kept this knowledge through the years, but also to the point where they've got where they are now? I'm not saying, are they Anunnaki? Are they reptilian? I mean, who are these people? Where should we be looking? And to me, everything, as you're a kid, you're told all roads lead to Rome. To me, it all comes back to the Vatican, the city of London, Washington, D.C., these sovereign states that aren't really part of the country where they're situated. It seems to come back to the Vatican to me. Um, let's talk about that before because that's the only place I can think of where we should be really looking. The the Vatican is significant because as with all of these significant places, they've been infiltrated and that infiltration has taken many, many years. Now, the, the Vatican, they run uh, commerce law, the universe commerce law. So everything in business comes from Rome, the, the Bank of Rome. You know, when when you when you start looking at all of these different terms in, in modern day language, you know, a relationship, a partnership, we are all referred to as ships, which is basically maritime law, the law of the sea, which came to law of the land. It, you know, there's, and I'm repeating things that people already know when you start talking about your birth certificate when you're going to a dock at court, when when you don't turn up at court, the judge issues a bench warrant. Mm -hmm. Bench comes from banker, which is bank. So you basically the judge issues a bank warrant. When you start looking at the main players in society, they operate on the main waterways. So in other words, they are the mainstream. Mm -hmm. So we have all of these different shipping terms that, that refer to us as ships and cargo. And when you start looking at the, the Sestavi Trust, which is the, the triple crown of, of the Vatican, you start looking at the, the, the three trusts and you find that upon your birth, you lose all entitlement to any land or any ownership of any property. 
because they own it. You see that your birth certificate is sold. So you have two versions of you, which is your straw man and your physical you. Now, anything in capital letters that is written to you is referring to your straw man. When you get a fine of any kind, including uh, not wearing a face mask or wear the fine, once you sign that fixed penalty notice, you then become liable to your straw man. So in other words, when a judge sees that, it's never a contract. It is an IOU. So anyone who gets a fixed penalty, don't sign it because under the bills of exchange, you are liable if you do. So we, uh, the, the Vatican is extremely significant religiously, sold. You know, when under the, the baptismal certificate, when you baptize a child, you are selling its soul to the Vatican in their system. So therefore, they are dead in the water. So in other words, you have no soul. You have no standing as a human being. You are dead in the water. You are lost at sea. So the Vatican is extremely powerful and significant. So, you know, it runs business. It has billions of followers in relation to religion. So it, it's it's renting the minds of many people. But deep down, they understand the true essence. As I was saying, Vatica, Vatica, third eye. You know, that's why you see all the pine cones around Vatican City. When you look at the, the where the human body was created, which was the Orion Nebula, when you actually look at Vatican City, it is aligned to Orion. When you look at Jerusalem, it is aligned, uh, aligned to Orion. Why? Because Orion is where the soul enters. And if you control Orion, you control the soul. If you control Jerusalem, you control the gates to heaven. Because within the Orion constellation, that is the silver gate. The silver gate is where souls come in and souls leave, the Sahu in Egyptian. It is, it is the duet, the underworld. And that's where the soul comes in. So you have the Vatican aligned to it. You have Jerusalem aligned to it. And that's why Jerusalem is so important, because whoever controls Jerusalem controls the gates of heaven. So they're gatekeepers? There are various gatekeepers. Uh, one of the gateways to this is Sirius A, which again is part of the, the duet of Egypt, the underworld. You have a silver gate, you have a golden gate. The golden gate is the non-human entities. The silver gate is what becomes the human soul. So you have the soul that comes through the gate and you have the Orion Nebula that creates the physical suit. That is why there is so much alignment to Orion in all these ancient structures. Even structures that we don't even know about in North Yorkshire and different places are aligned to Orion because they understand the significance that that is the gate, that is the gateway. You control, you control Jerusalem, you control the Vatican, you control the gates of heaven. So this is why there's such a... Um fight over Jerusalem at the moment, the Palestinian, obviously, Gaza Strip, Israel's positioning itself, not itself, but the Rothschilds, fiefdom, Israel, positioning itself there to slowly, over the, since the 1940s, kind of taken over the Gaza Strip. That's because of this. What's going on over there? What that is that why it's so significant? And what do you see their plan for the Middle East, for that, for Jerusalem? In terms of this esoteric knowledge, they seem to be adamant to build a Solomon's Temple on Temple Mount, or is that just some, a cover story for something else? Well, again, it's, it's all to do with, with enlightenment and consciousness. When you look at Jerusalem, it's says Solomon, which is basically Canaanite sun god. So again, straight away, we go into illumination. Now, when you start looking at you know, the, the Roswell crash, which was deliberate, it was a, a deliberate location, which was on the, the 33rd parallel. When you look at 33 degrees longitude and 33 degrees latitude, 33 of the age that Christ died, allegedly, in 33 AD, 33 vertebrae of the spine, 33 degrees of masonry, the 33rd vertebrae is now called Atlas, the head is the island of Atlantis. It's talking about consciousness. Now, when you when you look at 33 degree latitude, 33 degree longitude, it meets where Mount Hermon is situated. Mount Hermon is where Christ allegedly became the God-man, where he became illuminated by God on Mount Hermon. That is the Paramount Pictures logo. Mm -hmm. So this is the God-man. Now, when you, when you get knighted by the Queen, become a Sir, Mount Hermon is also called Syrian. So in other words, you are becoming a God-man. You are becoming an illuminated one. It's to do with consciousness and illumination and enlightenment. They want to keep people in a satanic world of darkness 
and they wish to elevate themselves through illumination. They do believe that they, yes, they can, they are gods. They do believe that they have the right to rule and they are, as far as I can understand, attempting to short circuit different levels to get to get there to control even more of reality. So <clears throat> there's always the the physical believers, you know, God gave us the right to plant our flag here and this is now our, our land. But the real God never said that. The, the, the God of the Bible is the serpent. <clears throat> the true creator is not the God of the Bible. And that is really where the, the, the distinction is, is, is misappropriate. So just to wrap this up, I mean, this has been fascinating and we need to do this again because we're only just scratching the surface here. Um, what do you see as a true creator? What is going on here? And and let's lend it on a nice note. Is there something else looking after us? Because we all seem up shit creek at the moment, to be fair, to put it in the nicest possible way. Um, give us some hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the, there is help. <clears throat> but what I find with believers, and, and again, you know, the, the age of Christianity is the age of Pisces. The, the key word, each sign has a key word. Now, the key word for Pisces is I believe. So the whole of religion, the whole of Christianity is a I believe system. Now, when you see the likes of Christ washing people's feet, that is telling you it is the Piscean age. Because in zodiacal man, the feet are Pisces. So when Christ is washing the feet, it is the water, it is uh basically zodiacal man it is the age of pisces which is the i believe now it talks about the appearance of a man in the sky which is aquarius so we're going from the age of i believe pisces to the age of i know which is aquarius now because aquarius is a fixed stubborn sign there's going to be lots and lots of upheaval as they hand over from one age to the next so we're going to see the collapse of financial institutions we're going to see lots and lots of disorder and unrest. We're going to see lots and lots of things that we're actually now seeing because the handover is happening between Pisces, the age of I believe, Christ, etc., into the age of I know. I'm not going to accept belief anymore. I want evidence. That Those are the two uh, parameters. I've found a code inside the Great Pyramid. Now, the Great Pyramid represents the future. So you have the three pyramids, which is the past, the now, and the future. The Great Pyramid is the future. There is a code inside the future, uh, inside, inside the Great Pyramid, that I have translated to mean that the future for humanity is a golden age. So therefore, the future is really already won, but we are still fighting the now battle, but the future is already won. <clears throat> there are so many different possibilities, depending upon what we do fits us into one of those events in time which is our future possibility but the the great pyramid that represents the future tells us it is one of enlightenment it is one where where humanity will eventually rise so yes we are we have got a quite a few problems at the moment and yes we do have people calling us conspiracy theorists who have no idea what conspiracy means or where it came from uh, people calling us conspiracy theorists who have not done one minute of research into what is being said now, that to me is at best complete ignorance. Uh, there's obviously other terms for it, but I'll, I'll be I'll be clean and polite and just say it's complete ignorance. It is it is the world of darkness <clears throat> because they cannot they cannot see what is going on. Uh, and there are many of them. But to give you hope, yes, we are being helped. We've always been helped. We will be helped. But to turn around and say it's okay, we don't need to do anything because we have these external saviors. We have Christ who's coming back. We have, you know, we have this disclosure of extraterrestrials who are going to come and help us. That is not going to happen because humanity needs to take responsibility for what it's done yeah. and take responsibility for its decisions. I was once told that we're not here to rescue you. We are here to help you to rescue yourselves. Mm. It's 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 lazy and it's easy for me to turn around and say, I don't have to take responsibility because Christ is going to come and save everything. That is lazy, that is ignorant, and that is never going to happen. That, But people need to say that 
to justify not taking any action and not doing anything because somebody else is going to sort it out. I don't need to. But you're going to learn the hard way. You're going to learn the hard way. That's that's trust the plan, basically. In essence, that's trust the plan, isn't it? That's God works in mysterious ways. That's head in the sand, ass in the <clears> air. And I've always hated that because for me, it's like I really don't want anyone else to help me because I'm reliant upon them. I want to learn for myself. That's what adults do when your children do. You pick them up, they walk for themselves. You have to be able to kind of do that and, and learn for yourself. And this is where we're at, I think, right now, is that that, that big learning curve is like, come on, you're going to have to do this for yourself because it's going to be very, very painful, as you say, mm. if you don't. And there's a lot of people that do know this. I mean, you would have to be completely asleep and switched off to not, not see what's going on here. People do know, I think in the billions they just don't want to look at it and i think as you say trust the plan mm. wait for someone else to come along <clears throat> and there is great a great feeling in knowing that you've achieved something yourself and knowing self-worth mm. going i did that i made that happen look what i created and as you say and you said at the start guys is we are the gods we are collectively i think to me, collectively, as you, I think you've alluded to this, we are different aspects of the same consciousness split off in different different ways. Um, but we, to me, are the gods. And we've been told that we're not by possibly an energy force that is lower down the frequency range of what we are. Um, that's my take on it so far. I mean, this has been incredible, and I definitely want to do this again pretty soon because we've only just scratched the surface. Um Michael, can you tell people where they can find your work, find your books, and a few of the books that you've got out? Because um, I know you've written quite a few books on these subjects. Yeah, my, my website is www.michael-feely.com, and Feely's F W L E Y. Uh, I've done a few books, sort of Alchemy of the Gods. Uh, I'm doing one at the moment called The Secret Christ, and also the, the Serious Point, which again talks about Egypt and the alignments and how they were creating portals with X, uh, Y, Z. Uh, accesses uh, and how they were doing that and how they are all aligned with the portals to, to do dimensional travel. It goes into uh, sort of the, the speed of reality, a mathematical formula that I've come up with that is the speed of reality. Little did I realise at the time when I was working out the speed of reality that uh, there's, there's this one lengthy numerical code that stands out and what I didn't realise at the time is that is one of the towns inside the Great Pyramid. So my, my formula, again, goes back to the Great Pyramid, which seems to be the epicentre of everything, really. I also go into an explanation as to how I believe the pyramids were created and by who, and I put forward the evidence as to why I believe that. And, and that is the serious part that's being written at the moment, along with the the, the, the secret Christ. But there's, I have on there the likes of uh, Alchemy of the Gods, which talks about sexual alchemy and some of this religious stuff. And I have various other books on there as well. Uh, lots and lots of blogs to read and, and, and different things on there. Thank you for your time, Michael. Before we go, is there anything that you just want to leave the listener with um, for them to understand what's going on and maybe just some, some way of them coming to look into this stuff and seeing the world in a completely different light than they do right now? What I would say is go out tonight, have a look at the stars, have a look at the, the, the part of the universe that you can see and tell yourself with certainty that you created it. There is no greater feeling of power and strength than that. And I've tried it, and it gives you an overwhelming sense of importance and strength. You created the universe. You created everything that's in it. You were once part of the undivided mathematical supreme mind that has created this. You are capable of anything you put your mind, your thought. Teote Toth of Egypt, that is thought. You are capable of everything. Look into things. Never take it as gospel. From what anyone says, look into everything. If someone wants to vaccinate you, look into what's in it. Look at look at everything before you make a decision. Once you've looked into everything, once you are satisfied that you have all the information, then make an informed decision. Don't believe anything. Question everything. You are powerful. You are everything. You are creators. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Michael. It's been Glitching the Code. Head over to Glitching the Code. .co.uk and you'll hear this on iTunes and Spotify, please be sure to 
share this about as much as possible. Some incredible information there. Me and myself and Michael will be chatting about a series doing for Iconic. It's soon as Iconic.com and hopefully you'll see this series next week. Um, next week? That's quick. Next year <laughs> um, at some point in 2021. And this information is incredibly important. I thank you for your time, Michael. I really appreciate it. And let's do this again in the next few weeks because we're only just scratching the surface with this stuff. Cheers, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to Glitch in the Code.